Welcome to the Master It Podcast. I'm your host, Allie McGee. The Master It community is composed of individuals who want to show up as the best version of themselves every single day. We are dedicated to creating small, tiny daily improvements that compound over time for a massive transformation. We act with kindness, integrity, compassion, and grace to ourselves and others around us. We show up ready to learn, be inspired, and inspire others to be great. We lean into the discomfort of change and growth knowing we'll be better humans coming out of it, like a phoenix rising from the ashes. So glad to have you here and let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to the Master It podcast. I'm your host, Ali McGee. I'm so glad that you decided to hit play today. You are in for... Once again, an amazing episode. I feel like the guests who are coming on are just blowing my mind and they bring so much, so much value to the show. So I'm excited that you decided to hit play. And before we kind of um, get into today's episode, let's just get grounded with um, some deep breaths. So if you're driving, please don't close your eyes. <laughs> and if you're listening to this at home or at work, just take a moment, pause, and let's just get grounded in, in our body. So we'll begin by taking a deep breath in through the nose. Out through the mouth. We'll do that again. In through the nose. Out through the mouth. Last time, in through the nose. Out through the mouth. All right, and you can bat your eyes open. Mm, I've been doing way more breath work than I usually do and really just trying to come back to my breath um, because I've been learning about it in my yoga teacher training. Um, and I just, I always forget, no matter how much I do it, I always forget how powerful the breath is. It's something that we always have. It's always in our back pocket. So I've been posting um, some breathwork videos on my IG. So if you want to go dip your toes into that, um, into that pond, I would invite you to. It's, uh, it's amazing. And it doesn't have to be scary. I feel like sometimes meditation is a little scary to people. Um, so yeah, I would encourage you to just dip your toes in the breathwork world. Um, it can be simple. It can just be three to five breaths. It doesn't have to be anything over the top, like Kundalini or, you know, just like wild shit. So uh, I always just feel like I drop into my body so much better once I breathe. <laughs> All right, let's get into today's episode. Um, today's episode is with Tori Canal. She is the CEO and co-founder of She Factor, which is all about creating a life that you love and doing that in your 20s because I feel like our 20s are just this wild ride and we're just going through so much growth and change, it can be hard to figure out what's up and down and left and right. And so 
Tori has She Factor and they have really nailed down all of these different areas of your life where you can start to master them. They have lots of different spheres that's um, focus specifically on things like money, um, goal setting, fitness, you know, they got the whole nine. Um, so I'm excited to sit down with Tori. She's just this beaming bright light and amazing energy. So I can't wait to get connected, um, with her in this show. And let's just not beat around the bush and let's kind of get right into it. And before I let you go, I will please have you um, subscribe to the show so you never miss a new episode. And then if you are feeling called so, please give the show a five-star rating and drop a review. It's like podcast gold. It helps other like-minded individuals find the show and helps us continue to grow. All right, without further ado, here is Tori Ganahl of The She Factor. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Master It Podcast. I'm here with Tori Ganahl, who is the co-founder of She Factor and host of the She Factor Podcast. I'm so excited to chat with Tori and just kind of learn more about her and her business. So thank you so much for being a guest on the show. I am so excited. Thank you so much for having me, Allie. I feel like it's been a long time coming and I'm so, so happy to be here. Mm, So happy to have you. We met back in, when was that? October? God, it feels like forever ago. 10 years years ago, it feels. (laughs) Um, So we met in the Almost 30 Podcast um, Accelerator Group. That was just a really fun space to connect with a ton of other podcasters who are very like-minded and just, I don't know, I'll have like really good stuff to say. So I'm excited to um, pick your brain and learn more from you. So we can just jump right into it. Can you share a little bit about your childhood and what that looked like growing up for you? Oh yeah. Wow. What a childhood I had. Um, So I was raised by a single mom. My parents were divorced when I was two years old. My parents actually, this I have some crazy family crazy family stuff. So my mom's first husband actually died in a plane crash, not my dad. Um, when he was, she was 27, he was 25 for his 25th birthday. My grandparents got him a stunt plane and it came down and crashed like love of my mom's life. Yes. So crazy. And then my mom and my dad were actually best friends in middle school and high school. And 10 year high school reunion came shortly after that. And my mom needed a little like rebound love to make her feel a little warm and fuzzy inside. And that relationship sparked. And the funny thing is, is my mom actually went to prom with my uncle, who is my dad's twin brother. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Small, small Colorado town. Um, But in all reality, uh, my dad now is clean and sober and doing great. He was um, an alcoholic and drug addict at the time and just did not work out. My mom was obviously heartbroken. And so I was kind of a baby of, I I like to say that I came to save them both. I just like to think of it that way. Um, But now I'm closer than ever with both of them. And um, they're they're super good friends now, which is super crazy to experience. Um, But anyways, I was raised by a single mom. Essentially, she was also an entrepreneur. She started the country's largest pet care franchise, Camp Bow Wow. It's a $100 million brand. Um, so I tagged along. I knew what a UFOC was, which is a franchise agreement by the time I was like six years old. And it was just us against the world. And it, it was a super fun, wild ride. And never would I 
ever would have thought that I would have gone into entrepreneurship later on in my life. Wow. What a powerful story. Um, And what an incredible role model to have growing up of just this strong female in your life, um, showing you and and paving the way for what would come in the, you know, near future, you know, maybe 10 plus years later. But wow, that's so freaking cool. Because I know a lot of people who um, you know, are stepping into the entrepreneurial space, but they haven't had someone, you know, kind of walk those steps before. So they have to figure out every, you know, every step of the way themselves. And it can be really hard. And I know everything changes so quickly, so it's not exactly the same, but to just have someone to be there to mentor you and, and, you know, have that experience and knowledge, so helpful. And oh my gosh, what a blessing. Um, how cool. I didn't, um, realize about Camp Bow Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. You're in where? Arizona? Yeah. Do they have that here? Yes, there are definitely. I think Peoria, there's one. Um, there's definitely some in Phoenix. Surprisingly enough, I moved to the one state that doesn't have a Camp Bow Wow, but they just recently in the last six months opened two within 20 minutes of me. So that's really going to push my argument to get a puppy with my boyfriend. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. It takes a while for anything to get in, um, to Oregon. Like I know it's so weird, but there's like 250 camp hours around the country and there's none in Oregon. It's so weird. Wild. Yeah. It's crazy because, well, you know, I grew up in Oregon. We kind of mm-hmm. did like this like little switch of places. I know. So um, crazy. So fun. But growing up in Oregon, like we never had In-N-Out. We never had Chick-fil-A. And so now that I'm in Arizona, I'm submerged with it all. And then they're Spoiled. just, yeah, just now getting it up there. And so it's like this treat and like, Cars will be 50 deep in the drive-thru. And I'm just like, it's ridiculous. It's like a 36 hour <laughs> wait in the middle of nowhere, Oregon. I'm like, what are people, what what do people do with their lives that they sit in line for 12 hours waiting for in and out Right. No it, sense. This is on the record. I don't think in and out is that good. <laughs> I mean, like I am down for a good in and out burger, but not that down. Like yes. <laughs> take me to Arizona and I will get it like multiple in, times. In yes. But yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Love that. So you grew up in Colorado. Is that right? Yes. So we, my mom um, actually was originally from Southern California um, where she was raised by my amazing grandparents. They're like my second parents. I love them to death. Um, they've been married for like 70 years. I love them. Ugh, my role models. Um, and they moved my whole family out to Colorado, this little teeny tiny town called Monument, which is like near Colorado Springs, which is where my parents all went to high school together, middle school together. And we actually moved around a lot because of the divorce. And there was a 10-year custody battle um, between my parents and um during that time, it was just so hostile that my mom ended up moving us back to Southern California where I lived in Manhattan Beach for two or three years and then back to Boulder, Colorado. So um, kind of been all over the place. And then I had never been to Oregon in my life and decided, why not go to school there? And now here I am. (laughs) And what was that like kind of moving around a lot as a child? I never experienced that. I honestly went to school with the same kids from kindergarten through 12th grade. And by the time 12th grade rolled around, like I was sick of these people. And I was just like, I got to get out. But what was your perspective once you're moving around, like meeting a ton of people? Could you really build like these deep friendships? So I am 
so jealous of people like you. My boyfriend's the same way. He literally is all of his best friends. He's known since preschool. Um, you know, I was jealous my whole life of those relationships because it was really hard to keep those long, you know, deep friendships. And I was, I tell people all the time, especially in the business that I'm in is community and friendship essentially. And I was never the friend girl. Like I never really had the best friend or the friend group. And, you know, I had my moments where I found maybe a sliver of time in those, in those groups, but I was never really like fully accepted for who I was because people didn't know me. And I think partially because I wasn't vulnerable enough to share who I was, but definitely now looking back, I am so grateful for moving around so much because I think it gave me this, the tools and the skills to one, build relationships, which has been crucial in my job now. Um, and just to observe all the different types of people in different places. And I think it's opened up my eyes and my heart and my mind to who I am and being able to be strong in who I was by the time I was in high school, knowing that I had moved around and met so many people and made so many friends in different ways. I, I feel like it really made me like compa- more compassionate. Like that person sitting by themselves at the table, lunch table, like I, I would go sit with them in a heartbeat because that was me so often. And it made me just love to know people, like really get to know people and really understand them and who they were because I think nobody really took that chance on me when I moved around as much as I did. Mm, wow, incredible. Um, I love that you mentioned you had to be vulnerable and like build these conversations and to build these friendships. Um, Because I think a lot of the friendships that I made growing up were very superficial in terms of like, we played sports together. So we were just like on the same team and like had some common interests, but it was nothing like deeper than that. Um, So I think that's something I've been learning now in my, you know, early and mid twenties of like, you have to be vulnerable and like let people in, um, to like really build those, um, friendships that, you know, feel like they're going to be around for a while. Um, and it's almost like dating your significant other, right? Because it can hurt when you let people in and it, you know, the friendship falls apart or whatever. And, you know, it's not what you thought was going to happen, but I think it's one of those things you kind of have to take the risk and the chance um, to have the outcome. Otherwise, I feel like you're just playing small and playing it safe. And it takes a lot of trial and error. I mean, I look back at, I'm actually still very close with a lot of my high school friends, but I didn't make those friends until end of high school. And I didn't really get to really like enjoy those friendships because it took me so long to really step into who I was and feel comfortable enough to open up to a new group of friends that would accept me. And I think when you are so vulnerable and then you get knocked down and knocked down and knocked down, like that was middle school, elementary school for me. Like I opened my heart up and my soul up to these new people every year. I went to seven different schools before I went to college and in, I got burnt a lot. Like I got knocked down so many times and I'm grateful for that now, like I said, but in the moment when you're in middle school, high school, that freaking hurts, man. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, I will say that even going to college in a completely new state I'd never been to before with no one I knew, I dove right in because that was what I was good at. I mean, I became president of my sorority as a sophomore. I like rose my way up into leadership. I was 
friends with all these different people because that was just who I was. That was how I, how I survived. Honestly, I think that's what it comes down to. Mm, Wow. Amazing. Now I'm jealous of that college, you know, situation that you had because here I left home for the first time, moved out 18 where I had had the same friends my entire life. And then I go to college. I'm like, Oh shit. I got to learn how to make friends. And it's, and it's, a little awkward at first, right? Like so many people are in that same spot. Like they just don't know. And it is awkward, but yeah. And then, but I think it takes practice. Like you said, you got to get those repetitions in. Um, and I think the hardest part for me, was like, I didn't have that self-confidence that, you know, you might've had where you had been broken down a few times before, but you kind of, you always rise up stronger than like whatever knocked you down, I think. Um, and so it was definitely hard for me to like, find the right group of friends. How did you find that for yourself? I know you had your sorority, but did you do other things like join clubs or anything like that? In all honesty, I don't think I've ever found my core group of friends until now. And Mm. I think that I, I definitely, my, I mean, my high school friends, the ones that I still stay in touch with are my theater friends. And I think that goes to show just how that environment of having to be really vulnerable and being a theater kid and being dorky and weird and like owning that, like you become so close because you're being your most vulnerable self. And that's come to fruition now where I'm still amazing friends with those people. But all the people that I was friends with because of cheerleading or, um, you know, dance or swimming or different clubs that I was in, like, I don't stay in touch with those people anymore because I really wasn't my most vulnerable, authentic self with them. And we didn't really form a relationship. And I think I had that to an extreme in college too, even. I I definitely felt like I opened myself up on a level that a lot of people weren't ready to experience yet. And because like you said, it takes practice to be that vulnerable and to be that confident, not open. And I'm not saying I'm like super confident, but I, I knew who I was and I knew what I wanted to do. And um, oh a lot of people around me were just caught up in the partying and, you know, the, the environment and the sorority life. And, and I, I had my moments in that too, because I, I wanted to fit in. I, I didn't want to be the leader that everyone, you know, looked up to, or, you know, didn't invite to the parties because they didn't want to get in trouble. Yeah. Um, I wanted to be the the party girl at some moments because I was like, screw it. I want to, I want to forget this. I don't want to be this person. But, um, I think, I was able to really, really create authentic relationships once I found my my people, my like-minded growth-oriented women that I've been able to create relationships with through my business. Like those are my people. And to be honest with you, they're the best friends I've ever, I've ever made in my life. Five years ago, when I first started taking yoga classes, I had no freaking clue what equipment I would need for class. I found a studio that had this rockin' deal that if you bought one of their in-house mats, you got two weeks free of yoga. Obviously, I immediately jumped on this deal. After taking a few classes with my new and very cheap mat, I knew there had to be a better option. I was sliding around, couldn't keep my hands or feet in one spot, and I felt that I wasn't getting the most from each class simply because I was worried about falling over or sliding off the mat. I knew I had to level up my mat to get the most from class. And after shopping around from several different big name brands, I found that if you wanted a high quality mat, it came with a high price tag. 
my stomach would literally churn every time I looked at the price tag. And after finally investing in a mat, my experience in class was truly transformed. I was able to drop in deeper to each pose and get more from each class. It was life-changing. My next thought was to question why the price of these mats were so high. Getting the most magical experience from yoga truly had a high financial barrier around it. This sparked my interest to create a mat that had equal quality but was available at a much more reasonable price point. Cue the product development phase for Life Simplified Yoga Mats. The journey was long and tedious. There were lots of trial and error when working with manufacturers just to get the right mat that I was looking for. And finally, after months of testing different mats, I finally found the mat that I was longing for. It was thick for the ultimate joint support and cushion, grippy to help you hold each pose without the slip factor crossing your mind, and big enough for you to stretch out in Svasna. And boom, the Life Simplified Crystals Collection was born. A mat that's got the same quality as big name brands like Lululemon, Aloe Yoga, and Nike without the big price tag. With four beautiful colors available, they are all named after magical crystals due to their healing power, so there's truly one for every mood. My personal favorite is the Amethyst Matte. It's this gorgeous purple and always helps me transcend and transform while I'm practicing on this mat. It's magical to say the least. Shop Life Simplified Yoga Mats now at lifesimplified.shop and use the code PODCAST for 15% off your order. Once again, shop Life Simplified Yoga Mats at lifesimplified.shop and use the code PODCAST, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, for 15% off your order. The link is in the show notes. Yeah, I mean, kind of touching back on that, I think in college, you can kind of get lost in the sauce of like trying to be like everyone else and like the cool kids and go party and drink and do all the things. And it's like, I did that. And then all that stuff like wears off and like, you're like out of that phase and like, oh, I don't even drink anymore. And so it's like, what did I, what was I even doing? I was just like trying to be liked by people who like don't even give a shit about you at the end of the day. Yeah. And I mean, I went right back into that after college, which was so shocking to me because I hated it so much. And then I entered a sales job where it was 10,000 times worse. There was 35 year olds dancing on tables in Miami, like spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on alcohol. And it's like, where am I? Am I just in a, like a graduate version of college, like this is pathetic. And that was really like my rock bottom of, whoa, like I, this environment, especially coming from a family with alcoholism and drug addiction, like this is not for me. And this is not where I have, like, this is not where I see myself being for the rest of my life. Mm, And I love that you realize that too. And you were able to like step away because I, I don't think a lot of people like to look at their past. They kind of just like to like, it's shame and guilt that's associated with it. So they just kind of put it in this box and hide it. And it's like, oh, that doesn't apply to me, but it's like, whoa, that is like part of you. So I think the more you kind of own it and recognize it and, you know, 
it doesn't have to be like this part of you, but it does have to like, you have to acknowledge it, right? Yeah. You have to, you have to be aware of it. And I think I've had a lot of trauma in my life and even just my parents' divorce and the custody battle. And, um, I'm a survivor of sexual assault and I have had a lot of trauma just even with my job and my career, my last job of just work gross like environment, toxic environment like that I was in. And all of those little experiences, big and small, you can't just push them off to the side. Like I talk about them so openly because they are a part of who I am. They have happened in my past, but they aren't who I am. They have shaped me and my beliefs and my opinions of the world, but I came out stronger and they pushed me to be a better version of myself. And I think it really takes going through adversity to really acknowledge and be that, have that really deep self-awareness that I think is missing in a lot of people who aren't able to acknowledge those things that they've been through. Mm, Wow. Yes. So powerful. Um, Kind of jumping back a little bit, what did the transition look like from going from like party girl scene to like where you're at now? Did you lose friends along the way? Like, how did you deal with that? Because I mean, for me personally, I couldn't keep everyone. Um, You know, it's like you just lose touch with people who you no longer have interest with. What, so what did that look like for you? Yeah. I mean, it was really hard for me in college, even just my, my relationships were never really that solid because like I said, I was the leader that no one wanted to invite to parties, but I lived in the biggest party house on campus. Like it was this kind of catch 22. And I had a lot of resentment for my roommates for leaving me out of things and, you know, leaving me out of the lease of the house when I had to live in the house and not inviting me to things. Like it all sounds so silly now that I say it out loud, but I had a lot of pent up anger and resentment towards them that I truly wasn't able to let go until I let them go, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that just realizing that those people might not be right for your life. They may just be college relationships, high school relationships, whatever they, whenever they fell into your life. And I think, you know, the crazy college party girl was a hurt, you know, traumatized, like didn't know what to do with her life girl. And that led into the next few years after college when I took the corporate recruiting job and ended up in that same environment. And I found myself being even deeper into those party crazy worlds. Like every conference we went to, every event we had in every happy hour we had, it was like, not, I'm not going to say I was the drunkest girl there because I wasn't, but did I black out? a lot. Yeah. And do I need to be doing that in my twenties? Absolutely not. Like that was college. And why am I still in this space? And I'm, I'm very blessed and lucky that my boyfriend is like not a drinker. Like he does not really care for alcohol. So he was able to really see those things in me and see the negative lifestyle I had really embraced. And it did take me hit hitting rock, rock bottom in Miami during one of my conferences where I actually got drugged and realizing, holy shit, like this is not where I want my life to go. And this is just, it It kind of was like a symptom of, or like a circumstance of that lifestyle. Like I put myself in that situation and not saying that, you know, it, it was my fault, but I was in that environment and I needed to take myself out of that environment in order to thrive and be truly authentically me and 
not lose myself in alcohol. Yeah. Well, okay. Why does it always take someone to get drugged for us to have to get out of the situation? Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's scary as F. Um, oh, and- especially I'd never been to Miami before. I was in a place I had no idea. Oh, it was one of the scariest things I've ever been through. And the flight back to Oregon was probably the most miserable flight I've ever experienced in my life. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm glad that you're okay, but I think that so many of, so many women kind of have to go through that phase. It was definitely a phase. Mom, it was a phase, you know? Um. Yes. Thank God. (laughs) And I think my mom, it scared her too, because she saw what my dad went through and she was like, I see you going down that road and it's terrifying. And I think it really took her saying that to me and realizing, oh, all right, like I really am going down this road and I need to take a turn now or it's just going to get worse and worse and worse and who knows what's going to happen at that point. Yeah, yeah. It's Sometimes it scares me to even think about what my life would have looked like if I never stepped away from that and those people and that, because it's just an environment. It's toxic, so toxic. Like the, it just, ugh, it's like cringeworthy to me now. Yeah. Um. So moving from rock bottom to where you're at now, what like are some small steps that you took to get to where you are today? So when I was still in my last job, I started taking these steps. My mom actually used a lot of the methodologies and activities and games that she used on her young employees at Camp Bow Wow to really help me get a little bit better perspective on my life. Like, where do I want to go? What is What are my goals? What are my visions? Like at that point, I had no idea what was going to come next. Like I didn't know what job I could even take outside of recruiting. I didn't know what that would look like. And I didn't really have a passion or know what my purpose was. So um, a lot of mind mapping, vision boarding. um, If you've ever read Designing Your Life, that's a lot of what we base the She Factor Method off of is finding your flow, finding your niche, like finding the things in your day today that light you up and make you feel great. And it took about, I'd say probably three to four months of doing a lot of those activities and my mom using me as the guinea pig to our methodology that we've created to figure out I could find passion in my job. I could find things that I liked. Like I liked mentoring people. I liked the day-to-day tasks and leading people through those and the the management and the leadership. I, I liked those things. I could I could survive. But the second I started digging into these activities and going deeper and deeper and deeper, I was like, oh my gosh, like I am meant to work with women. I am meant to coach and serve and guide. I am meant to build community and be surrounded by community. And like it all became clear the more I dove deeper into these things that she was helping me do. Has anyone else tried to be really on top of their health game and take a daily apple cider vinegar shot? I don't know about you, but I have tried it time and time again. And honestly, I just can't get behind it. It's not the vibe for me. I just don't want to wake up early in the morning, take a shot of apple cider vinegar and just hate my life. Especially when you're making a new habit, 
Doing something that you dislike is the quickest way to never do it again. So I have found a much better alternative. I found Goalie Nutrition and they have created the world's first apple cider vinegar gummy. Yes, you heard me right, gummy. Honestly, anything in gummy form, you got my ears perked up. So this gummy is wild. It tastes like apple and it's actually enjoyable to take. So I actually take it on a consistent daily basis. Amazing, they're out here crushing it. And now that it's starting to heat up here in Arizona, I throw them in the freezer so I can have like a cool tasty treat throughout my day. I'm so excited to share about Goalie and partner with them. I got y'all a discount, so let's have you stock up and save. I like to buy the three bottles at a time so I don't have to worry about shipping and ordering. It can just be so simple, order it once and you're stocked up for a while. Head to the link in my show notes to shop Goalie Nutrition and use the code ALI, A-L-I-M-C-G underscore to get a discount on your product. Once again, that's A-L-I-M-C-G underscore to save on these tasty apple cider vinegar gummies. Enjoy. <sighs> these tools that you're learning now and that She Factor is based on, they're skills that no one teaches you, right? Like you, <laughs> it's, it's crazy because I think it's scary that at 18, we step into college and we have to decide what our future is. I'm like, right. $40,000 on the line. And you want young Al 18 year old, you know, not responsible at all to pick what she wants to do. Yeah. Like it's, it's scary. <laughs> like it was crazy because I thought, you know, the major that I went in with, like I had to finish with, I went in as a pre-nursing major. I'm not even, I'm not a nurse. And I had a total mental breakdown before I switched because I was living in this like perfectionism. Like I have to do this and like all the girls are doing it. So like, you know, and it's crazy once you step away from it and you like find your passion, um, you feel so much better, right? Like all this pressure falls off, but it took a while to get there. And I didn't have any mentors, guides, resources. I had to find all these things myself. Um, so maybe this will be a good time for us to jump into what She Factor is and all of your spheres and all those fun things. So She Factor was born based off of my experience entering that job that I didn't love and just trying to figure out life in general. I mean, I was at the deepest, darkest, lowest point of my life as I was talking about. and everything in my life followed. I mean, it was my health, my mental health, my finances, my relationships, like everything in my life was a mess. And it was basically because I was going all in on one thing, which is my career at that point. I was working 60, 80 hours a week. Um, I was paying no attention to anything else in my life but work. And that came with partying also just happened to. Um, and my mom realized at the same time, she was actually a regent at, at the University of Colorado, which is like their board of directors. She still is actually. And she was realizing how many women, especially were going out into the real world and just had no place to turn. And actually the crazy statistic is, is that millennial Gen Z women are the least engaged with, uh, generation in the workforce. Um, and they actually only stayed a job for an average of 18 months right now. So that was kind of like the stat that sparked She Factor was like, I was that woman. I only stayed at my job for 18 months because I had a lack of belonging. I did, had no sense of community, no sense of direction. It wasn't something I was passionate about. And 
that was kind of what sparked this movement and this methodology that we've created. So the short version is, and of course, if you want the long version, um, the book is a great place to start. And it really is the, the foundation to everything that we do. But She Factor is a community of women in their 20s. And it's for women that are craving community growth and purpose who want to create a life they love. And we give you the tools and the resources and mentorship and the girl squad to surround you and support you in that. So specifically with our methodology, we start with your silhouette, which is discovering who you are. It's an archetype test that we derive from all of the major ones out there and brought it in together as ours and really made it fun and easy to resonate with. So you can be a queen, a director, a guardian, a conqueror, storyteller, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the next step is our spheres. So after you know who you are, you have to prioritize things in your life. You can't go all in at once. You have to find that holistic balance, which is so important. So we have nine spheres that we focus our, all of our brand around. And that's, oh gosh, I'm always, this is always a test for me if I can name them all. Um, bulk, flame, faith, favor, future, finance, fashion, fuel, and freedom. I did it. it. That's like probably the first time I've ever done it that quickly. So it's really about focusing on all of those different areas of your life, learning what they mean to you, but also only setting goals, which is the next step within four of those at a time, like focusing on all of them at once. You're spread too thin, focus on just one, you let the other ones go. And the next piece of that is your she factor, which all kind of comes full circle. Your she factor is the self-accountability score that you give yourself. How are you doing it, hitting your goals? How do they align with who you are, um, your silhouette and your motivations and your strengths? And then from there, having an accountability team, which we call your SEAL team, which are the people that you hold nearest and dearest to you who know your goals, know your aspirations, who can keep you on that path and not just cheer you on, but like really hold you accountable to who you are and what you want to do in this life. And then lastly, we've created these squads, these groups of like-minded growth-oriented women who are truly just there to support you and guide you and cheer you on. And it's been amazing to see, like we've been doing these weekly virtual happy hours since March and the same women come every week and none of us have met in person. And we all, like I said at the beginning, like these are my true, like my best friends and I've never met half of them before. But they were the first ones to know when my mom needed brain surgery this summer. They were the first people to call me up, ask me if I was okay. They every week ask me how I'm doing, hold me accountable to my boundaries and my goals and my aspirations. Like they are my, they're my people. And that's what She Factor is all about is just discovering who you are and creating a life you love with people you love. That was a really long-winded answer. <laughs> no, it was perfect. I love that. That's freaking incredible. Um, and I especially love that you focus on building that community because I think far too often with women, especially there's this like weird competition and it's like, I have to be better than you. And it's like, why can't we just like come together and build each other up? Like, I think that's a, when people are doing that and it's like me versus you, it's very limited fixed mindset. And like truly, I think if you have a growth mindset, you know that there's room for everyone at the table. Like, yo, pull up a seat. Like we're all here together. Yeah. Um. So I, I love that. I think that's huge because it can be weird. You know, I think it's still like weird and awkward sometimes to make friends, but when you have this community and you can just step in and be your authentic self, it's so easy to just 
exist and, and I feel like live life to your full potential. Yeah. And my favorite thing that I love about what we're doing and the community we're building, even when we are doing live events back in, gosh, 2019, it's not a place where you come and you network and you like share your, you know, job and where you're from, where you went to school. Like we skip through all of that topical BS and we go straight to who are you? What are your goals? What do you want to accomplish in life? What are your biggest struggles? How can we support you? And by going straight to that place of vulnerability, it creates such a more authentic and beautiful community where you just skip that, skip that part completely and go right into supporting each other and learning about each other. And knowing and appreciating everyone's differences, I think is key in the lack of competition that happens within our community is like, we just appreciate each other for how we're all different and how we all can then use our differences and our strengths and bring them all together. Mm, Love that. Um, Did I miss anything that you want to add in? I mean, I guess that from there, you know, we have this methodology, but then We've also created all these resources. So we have our membership, which we just launched. We have a VIP box that goes with that, which is really a box of fun goodies that bring the sphere all together. Each month, we talk about one of those spheres. We have a live event every month. Um, We do virtual summits every quarter. Um, We did a She Cares Summit, which is all about uh, self-care and wellness in October. We're doing She Leads in April. She Explores in July. Um, So... We're really just doing our best to meet women where they're at. We have a blog, a podcast, um, a daily newsletter. So wherever you fit into that, you know, the same, the woman who reads the book is not the same woman who necessarily listens to the podcast or gets the daily newsletter. So it's been fun to see how that all is different for each woman and to be able to create those resources around it too. But we're always, always, always looking to bring more women in our, into our community and It's my favorite part about my job is just getting to connect with so many incredible women. Amazing. Yeah. You guys are doing literally everything under the sun. It's incredible. (laughs) That's a lot, (laughs) but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't feel like work. It really doesn't. I can stay up hours and hours on end because it gives me that energy. I know you've dabbled in human design, but I'm a manifesting generator. And (laughs) once you're in your zone, you can go, go, go. I pull all-nighters all the time because I just get in my creative flow and I just don't sleep because it just doesn't happen for me. And yeah. I, I, it's so bizarre. You would never know the next day that I pulled an all-nighter. Like yeah. never. Because you're so excited I, I have to more energy. Up. Yeah. You're so fulfilled by it. Wow. Incredible. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Um, where can we connect with you and She Factor on social media so we can follow this journey? Yes, I would love that. So you can find out everything Obviously, we're huge on Instagram. That's where we hang out most. That's where the magic happens. So at The She Factor on Instagram. And then, of course, thesheefactor.com is where you can take your silhouette quiz. You can uh, RSVP for our future events. Um, You can kind of dig into the methodology a little bit more by the book, etc. And then, of course, you can follow me on Instagram at Tori Ganahl. And I share all the good, bad, and ugly of all of the entrepreneurship journey behind the scenes and the podcast and all the things. But it's, yeah, I would say 
IG is probably the best place to come find us. Mm, yeah, your guys' Instagrams are popping. They're amazing. I love to follow them. Um, uh, purple everything, which I yes, love that. I love um, it. I got my purple. purple today. <laughs> I've got my purple one. It's a little lighter purple, but I love it. No, it's perfect. I've got purple pens. Like literally all I write in is purple pens. It's a whole way of life. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Tori, for coming on the show. I had an absolute blast and your story thank is you so powerful. Yes, of course. And I can't wait to see where She Factor goes in the next few years. Well, thank you so much. And I've been so inspired by you and your podcast and everything that you're doing as well. And us women have to stick together and support each other. And I'm just so honored to be able to share my story on your podcast. And we'll have to do it soon on the She Factor podcast too. Mm, yes, that'll be a blast. <laughs> 